Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Today's scripture comes to us from Matthew chapter 9, 35 to 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Here ends the scripture. The health of a human community is dependent upon how that community perceives itself. Let me explain. The prominent view over the last centuries has been that humanity in its core is selfish, it's greedy, it's violent. All of those come into play. And if you view humanity that way and use the term that Christians would say has a sinful nature, if you see the community that way, then that will impact how we interact as a community. If you see the community as, again, being selfish, greedy, violent, if we see that, again, as the core of who we are, then that will impact how we see ourselves and how we treat other people. I mean, if you see people that their main motive in life is selfishness and greed— why would you trust them? Wouldn't you be suspicious of them? And if you're doing that on an individual level, then it becomes so much easier to do it on the next level up, and that is on the governmental level. If you look at the laws that we make and that we legislate and that we enforce, if you look at the policies that we create, they are built upon that perception of humankind. Now, some of you may argue, yes, but there are selfish people, there are greedy people, there are violent people. But if we see the majority of us like that, then yeah, it would make sense that our laws and our policies that we pass are going to be addressing those issues. And it also impacts, you ready for this one? media. Look at the majority of entertainment that is out there today. It capitalizes on what we see the core of humanity being. How many movies are based on violence, greed, selfishness, and we gravitate to it. And not only is it in our movies and our TV shows, but it's also in the news that we expose ourselves to. Look at the stories. Think about how many Karen stories you've seen over the last months. 
Why do those continue to come to the forefront? Well, if we see that's who we are, then when it appears, we resonate with it. And it re-solidifies those ideas in our mind. Another huge culprit in this is social media. Think about Twitter, Facebook. The more outrageous you can make things, more likely you're going to get those likes and your popularity and how you feel inside goes up. And so the health of a human community is tied into how that community sees itself. Recently, scientists have come upon a startling discovery. Over the last few decades, in the study of human evolution and psychological evolution, a theory has been proposed that we are not inherently dominantly selfish. But in our core, we are caring, compassionate people. Now again, that doesn't sound right because we have been taught for so long that these traits of being caring and compassion are not inherent within us. In Christianity especially, we see this. This idea that Kindness, caring, compassion is as a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that is external of myself, and something has to take place to bring it inside of me, but it's not within me to begin with. But science is showing us that compassion, that feeling that we get when we see someone being harmed, Someone, being someone who is suffering, that feeling is within us. Look at this picture, and as you look at it, I ask you to become aware of what you're feeling. It's a baby crying. When you think about and look at that picture, don't think, I'm sorry about that, don't think, feel. And what scientists and biologists and psychologists are, are offering us to consider is that a crying baby, your own crying baby, would invoke within you this compassionate response. They can show and they can tell us how a crying baby, your own crying baby, how that affects your brain, how your brain will respond to that. But it's not just your brain, it's your body. It's as if an automatic response takes place within us. And it's in how we communicate. So if you see your own child crying, without even thinking about it, the desire to reach out and touch that child, to comfort that child, is inherent within us. It's what happened as we evolved as human beings. But the amazing thing is, it's not just our child. This next slide, if you look at it, you'll see a child sleeping. Can you feel that inside? 
I showed this slide to someone and they said, oh. And then it even tugs a little bit more on our emotions when you see the little teddy bear that's next to the child. And so we learned that within human beings, this desire was more than just for our own children. It was for all children. Why? Because they are the weak. They are the innocent. They are the ones that need to be cared for so that they can thrive in life. And in turn, the whole community can thrive in life. So if these two images, the crying and a peaceful sleeping baby, evoked that emotion in you, what about this next picture? What about the child who is suffering? The child who is afraid? The child who is hungry? Again, become aware of whatever emotions you're feeling right now. When I first saw the image that's on the screen, I felt pain inside. There was this sense of feeling hurt. And science will tell us that that's empathy. It's understanding how I feel when I feel pain and hurt inside, and I can imagine how that child might be feeling. But what's amazing, it's not even limited to that. Look at this next picture, an animal who has been neglected, an animal who has been abused. And again, we become aware that compassion is inside of us. It is not a biological skill or trait that some people have and others don't. We all have it. And in the Gospels, of all the different things they can say about Jesus, one they also included was that Jesus was compassionate. Here again, the words of the Scripture that was read earlier for us. It says that Jesus went through all the towns and villages. And while he was going through, he does three things. Number one, he teaches in their synagogues. Number two, he preaches the good news of the kingdom of God. And number three, he heals people of every disease and sickness. The core of what Jesus was about, teaching, preaching, healing. Why? Because the next verse is so powerful. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them. Think about all the different things that the writer of Matthew could decide to put in his gospel. He chooses to include these lines, that Jesus felt compassion And the reason why he feels compassion follows, because he saw the people as being harassed and helpless. You see, Jesus was able to take compassion and move it beyond the child and see it on the, in, within the adult. Jesus was take, able to take this idea of compassion and move it from just his inner circle, 
and expand it to all people because he realized that all of us, in the past and in the present, have been hurt. And we have our moments of weakness. And we've been harassed and traumatized and feel helpless. Jesus got that. But the gospel talks about it not only here, and more than likely these verses were written by Matthew and was his image or picture of God. But in Luke chapter 6, verse 36, scholars believe that this saying was original to the historical Jesus. Why? Because it's short. It's something that people could remember over the decades. It's short. It's easy to remember. And in Luke 6, 36, it says, be merciful. And another way of saying that is be compassionate. Just as your God in heaven is compassionate. Jesus built upon a foundation that preceded him for thousands of years. Because once human beings understood that they had this emotion of, of compassion, then it was very easy for them to take this emotion and believe that their gods had that same emotion. And so Jesus maintains that line and reaffirms it. But what's startling about Luke 6.36, what's amazing about that, is this ideology that God is compassionate, we are to be the compassionate, was not as prevalent as the idea of being holy, be pure, just as your God in heaven is holy and pure. That ideology makes this distinction between us and them. It's binary. The holy and the unholy. The clean and the unclean. And so it creates boundaries. And in return, that impacts how we see other human beings. As being holy and belonging as part of us and those who are unholy and do not belong with us. And Jesus comes along and says, hey, slow down. Understand that foremost, God is compassion. That God is attuned to human suffering. That God feels. Now, you can choose to believe that literally or not, but what Jesus is telling us is that his image of God was that, and that is us. And science affirms that by saying that in our core, we are compassionate people. But why do we see so much of the opposite around us? I think one of the reasons 
is that this emotion is one that we have to develop. It's one that we need to be sensitive and attuned toward. Studies have shown that parents who model compassion toward their children, that their children in turn will be more sensitive and aware of that emotion within themselves. So the first step in becoming more compassionate is to understand, number one, that you are a compassionate person. It's inside of you. It's one of the emotions that you were born with, that as human beings we evolved with and into. So it's inside of you. And number two, you know what it feels like. You know what it feels like when someone that you love and care for is vulnerable and is being hurt. You can feel that pain inside of you. But I think what Jesus is saying is that if we can see something beyond us, a God as being compassionate, and if Jesus himself was able to branch out, then we will be able to take what we see as those individuals that are weak and suffering beyond just our close inner circle. And it will start to expand and grow. And so when you hear perhaps secondhand, or you personally experience someone feeling pain, someone who is weak and vulnerable, someone who's being marginalized, that you will pause, not pass judgment, and identify with that person through your emotion. Biologists, scientists tell us that we are able as human beings to expand in those areas. But one of the ways that we expand in those areas is by weighing the cost versus the benefits of feeling compassion and then acting upon it, acting upon that prompt. So we are often taught that the cost is too great and it exceeds the benefits of being compassionate. What Jesus encourages us to do is to slowly expand our circle of compassion. All right, so what does this have to do with November 3rd in the election? Number one, I invite you to think about how important is compassion to your moral foundation. Do you allow that emotion of compassion to inform your morals? Do you allow that motion of compassion to inspire you to help other people, to inform what you see as being right versus wrong? So number one, think about that for yourself. And number two, look at the candidates and ask yourself, are these individuals compassionate 
people. Can I feel that from their words, from their vision of what is important for us as a society? You know, one of the things that we focus on right now a lot is looking at these candidates and reading about their policies and sometimes not even doing that, just making a decision based upon our partisanship if they're one of us or one of them. But if compassion as a foundation for your morals is important to you, then you will pause and you will take the time to listen to these candidates and ask yourself, are they individuals who are communicating compassion to those in our country who are the weakest, who are the poor, who those have been marginalized and pushed to the sides whose rights are continuing to be challenged. And then not only are they doing that, but are they inspiring that in you? Do you want someone who aligns with all of your pet projects or your, the ideas that you think is being most important and isn't compassionate? That isn't challenging you personally by the way they're living and conducting their lives, the way they talk about other people? Are you allowing that to inform your decision? You see, this election is more than just about who will be our leaders, what policies we will be following. This is an opportunity for you and I to re-examine our moral foundations and that we will accept compassion as one of those morals that drives us and that we will allow our circle to widen and expand. The Trappist monk, Thomas Merton, is quoted as saying, the whole idea of compassion is based on a keen awareness of the interdependence or the interdependence of all of these living beings which are all part of one another and all involved in one another. Thomas Merton stands in the tradition of Jesus. Will we stand in that same tradition? Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.